0: And welcome to the Glacier Musical Podcast. It is beer, metal, and swearing. Of course, I am Nick Cameron. I am also of the Department of Metal Antiquities, and I'm joined by my good friend, a man who may not be so tall, always has something to say, and is always going to be there nipping at your heels. Keefy Chihuahua. How are we doing today, buddy?
1: (laughs) A yippy little dog. That's me. Um, Seems like we may be having some technical difficulties today. We're going to do our best and do our best for our guest yeah
0: yeah it's uh my my microphone or my camera is a little bit goofy i apologize for that so i'm gonna look a little probably more attractive this week so you're welcome america and canada and uzbekistan we've got no uzbekistan fans that i'm aware of but anyway thank you for joining us if you are here for our guest who keithy is gonna introduce here momentarily so you'll already have all that information but um Thank you for joining us. Here's how we do this. We do a greeting, a beer check, a vinyl check, a shirt check, a little bit of news of the day, then the meat of the episode. And the meat of the episode today is going to be bantering around with a prog metal genius. Is everybody ready for that? I'm ready for that.
1: Um, Based on your sample size of uh, what you listen to, I back that genius claim, but like legitimately, did you enjoy the music of our upcoming
0: guest? Very much so. It was. Uh, I was not expecting an instrumental track, but I'm also not going to complain about an instrumental track. I, I, if you can take instrumental music without a without an overt message, without overt melodies, and get that across through your fingers, that's always going to make me very happy. And I will repeat that later. But today's beer for me is a new one for the podcast, Schlafly Tasmanian IPA. Featuring Tasmanian hops. Finger fudge. Pour down the middle. And I've got a second one in reserve. Because I love this stuff. This is one of my favorite beers. Are you
1: fe- are you feeling okay to quote Pink Floyd the wall? You seem like very sniffly
0: and nasally today. Worse than usual. Is it allergies? Uh, just, Do you have a cold? Yeah, just allergies. I feel fine. I just got a... Okay. I am not comfortably numb. But we'll I get watch. it.
1: I get it. I get it. Day after day, a love turns gray. More singing. I have yet another Deftones beer, but one I don't think I have had before. This is the Deftones Ohm's beer. I don't recall if I've had one. Uh, once again, by Belching Beaver Brewery, and this is the Ohm's Pale Ale. So, you know, this is going to be more my speed, not the stouty stuff that I snarfed and did not like, but um, I'm very excited. And uh, let's see. I have the I have the mic in a new place today. Let's see if it makes a difference. Probably not. Time for the pop. No, nope, sir. Nothing. Nope. Just wow. Just incorrigible. And finger punch pour right down the pipe. Look at this bad boy. Ooh not attractive. Maybe we'll discuss the finger fudge pour with our guest because he is a beer expert and a progressive metal genius. As you said, I'm going to take a sip. Cheers
0: to you. Cheers it up. Cheers. It is YouTube's happy hour. It is. Um, yeah, so Good times.
1: That beer's delicious. I don't think I've had it before. Maybe I have. I'm not sure. Um not on this show, perhaps. And uh yeah, man. Deftones Belching Beaver Collabs. They have many beers. This is a good one. Uh there's only a couple they made I haven't
0: had. Um what is next? Shirt check. Give me a quick mute, pause. Final check. Sure. Give me a quick give me a quick pause. Thank you. Had to get some Kleenex. I also realized why I'm sniffly. Uh, Today is Thursday, which has nothing to do with anything, which does not make it nacho night, but in fact it was nacho night. So I had uh, jalapeno queso combined with chipotle queso, combined with uh, super spicy rice, combined with uh, super hot jalapeno peppers. So I could be suffering some after effects. And of course I forgot to turn the rice cooker on, so dinner was a few minutes late, so extra quick wolfing down. But uh, next is the vinyl check. I will go first. And it is Los Red Hot Chili Peppers. Hey, that's kind of funny. Since I got Chili Pepper Nose and it's the Chili Peppers. Come on. Laugh. There's no laughter in Mudville with that album. Because the Mighty Casey has struck out? Did you listen to it? Yeah, I love it. Do you regret it? Mean, you love it. For 15 bucks. For 15 bucks, I also might love it, but no. Cool, uh, cool lemony color, lemon custard. <laughs> this is the Target exclusive pressing. Uh, got this, like I said, 15 bucks before shipping on on Discogs. And, you know, Discogs is just a wonderful place to shop. Uh, hopefully we'll see, probably talk about Discogs here again in a few minutes with the news of the day. Discogs. You
1: Needs an app. That's what I don't like about them. I want an app. Agreed. An app experience. Um, My vinyl check is cool. New vinyl I haven't checked on the show. And this is, we discussed this, that I was getting one, but here it is. This is the, was supposed to be for Record Store Day, Black Friday. This is the sword reissue of Apacryphaion,
0: or Apacryphaion, however you say it. This thing is gorgeous, first of all. They have another Album coming out on record store day this year.
1: Yes, we'll discuss in a moment. So, just really quick, the the album cover has foil accents.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The gatefold is decent, not super remarkable. I think this was a shirt design. Yeah, yeah. The the back cover is splendiferous. Again, the foil imagery and the are sunflowers. Putting on the foil. It's stamped, bro. It's raised. Oh, so it's, it's old time hockey. Ha <laughs> What are you guys doing? Putting on the foil, eh? I got that reference. I love that movie. Um, already in the Mylar. Look at this variant. Let's take a look at this swirly swirl. Looks like a yellow with lava. Well, it
0: looks Pretty like cool. uh, a little bit of a starburst there. Nice. A little nice. starburst.
1: And then there's also the inner sleeve that is cardboard. So no Mylar. But
0: mm-hmm. it has
1: this really cool inner sleeve I wanted to show. Which has this was also some sword artwork. As well as this with the song titles and this little cool...
0: Gotta say, it looks, of- like they went, looks like they went all out on this release, and that, being a Record Store Day release, if you just do like my copy of uh, both the Beastie Boys, Some Old Bullshit, and Roger Waters Wall, Live in Berlin, they just did a slightly different color and called it a day. I'm glad I didn't pay any significant money for either of them, but glad to have them both on mine, but that's besides the point. Fair enough. Uh news or shirt check after this Let's do Shirt set. check. I am gonna stick my arms way up so you see the whole design. I am rocking my un t-shirt, which I purchased from the singer whose name I do not recall. I remember it's a very like nerdy, like Millhouse or Albert or Bernard kind of name. Uh he's like, Do you wanna buy the CD? No. But I do. But thankfully, since then, they've released both of their records on vinyl via translation loss. And I've got them both. So but, uh, I'm wearing my shirt just kind of in the hopes that we'll get some news. It's been very quiet. Uh, I believe there is a side project going on, but I want another Un record. Un is like clouds taste satanic, but death metal
1: It's
0: a great combination.
1: That is a great description of the band. I'm also a fan and great label translation loss great label all,
0: I am, all great stuff
1: yeah i am wearing my heathen shirt from their last album i bought this i think this was a pre-order with the vinyl back when that came out i was still living in brooklyn so i'm gonna say 2019 2018s uh i haven't worn this a whole lot so this is new shirts in rotation and um i'm trying a new rotation of shirts for the winter and um yeah and uh, my pallbearer hat. It's a little chilly here in the Bay Area, so I've been wearing winter hats. I had in snow the today, house. bro. Oh well, then I have no complaints because it's still sunny and dry. Not
0: a lot. I walked out of I walked out of the office today, and it was just one of my coworkers just went snow. What the fuck? And I just lifted my middle finger to the sky and said, "Fuck you, God." That's all we can do. Oh uh,
1: well, this is a little too late to save us. So just really quick, you know the. Tagline of this show is beer, metal, and swearing. As I use my Nick impersonation, YouTube is now cracking down hardcore on swearing. Um, Oh, no. No swearing in in your first couple of minutes of your anything, your video, or you will get no love from the algorithm. But they are basically going to start way downgrading and shadow blocking and banning any swearing in a video
0: so this is a problem you know what i'm gonna change it now it is beer metal and pseudo swearing so let me me read it's not gonna look as good on the glass well i'm just not yeah i know but we're gonna well that's not on the glass anyway so it's fine i have an incorrigible potty mouth how am i I like in general how am i gonna do this i am gonna start using words like flipping like mother flipping like mom mother fudging Motherf- the finger fudge, we already do that I mean,
1: mm. you know,
0: frick you God, frick you and your. I think we have to be Very
1: gentle with the swearing Now, like, we have a guest coming on today And I've hung out with this guy, he's man cool He's a friend, not just an artist, but a friend And we, you know, we are from The Bronx, New York, we swear it up
0: So, like, I don't know what's gonna happen um, Dude, I'm from South City, St. Louis We cuss all the time, because, you know, it's, it's like Nelly says, man, you ever listen to country grammar? That's how we talk Understood. News of the day. News of the day. Well, let me go first with uh, my favorite dour dumbass who just keeps getting dumber and and more self-important and senile and crazy in his old age. Uh, Not only did Roger Waters address the United Nations this week on behalf of Russia. So that is right out. No support there. I mean, one, don't even bother. um, He shouldn't even be doing that to begin with. Regardless, anyway, he also has announced to coincide with the 50th anniversary of Dark Side of the Moon, he has uh, he has re-recorded and he's going to re-release Roger Waters' Dark Side of the Moon. Thankfully, though, he's going to get rid of all those things like uh, David's vocal melodies and David's guitar solos because I don't know anybody who's ever listened to Dark Side of the Moon who's thought to myself thought to themselves, you know, be better. Uh, without the beautiful singing angel and weeping guitars of David Gilmour and Roger speaking the lyrics, um, yeah, it seems very petty.
1: I mean, like, so the purpose of this, very similar to what Taylor Swift did. Taylor Swift and Roger. I never thought I'd be making this comparison. Taylor Swift was, you know, signed a horrible, one-sided record deal as a child, basically as a teenager. And her manager took all the money, like 90% of the cut, similar to Slayer. And then she went ahead and re-recorded all her albums one at a time, where she's in the process of doing that, the Taylor version. So her fans will now only stream her versions by her version on vinyl, by her version on CD, by her version on cassette. So Roger is going to, I mean, like he is also Pink Floyd. He gets money from Pink Floyd forever in perpetuity. What purpose? Does, are you going to basically pirate a couple of pennies away that
0: would go to you anyway? Let me just, let me just break in real quick. Um, I will stream this once or watch it on YouTube once so I can hear it once. Uh, I am still buying, as I have on pre-order, the Dark Side of the Moon live edition coming out. I'm not buying the Dark Side of the Moon 50th anniversary. I have a spectacular pressing that I will maintain in my possession until I acquire a Japanese one. But I am the guy. I mean, I started even podcast about this. You know, my other podcast, Department of Metal Antiquities, where we talk about forgotten albums. That's you know, albums that came and went by name artist. That's like my thing, man. It's always excuse me. I'm I'm choking on my own bile here. It's always been my thing. I have no interest in this. And, and that's saying a lot. You have more Roger stuff than anybody I
1: know. Really, that uh, really yes. is saying something. Uh, it's pretty petty. And it's pretty dumb. And then wake of the other recent stuff, we don't have to rehash it again. If uh, I
0: could not listen to this at the tip of my fingers, I would never hear it. This is never going to be played on the radio. This is never going to be a hit. When KC95 is going to play Time or Breathe, they're still going to put the needle on Pink Floyd not Roger Waters in any way.
1: He'll get a He'll put out a single. It'll probably be time or it'll probably be us and them. He'll put out a single. It'll get some play. He'll get some spins. His fan base is ravenous. The people were still on Team Roger are ravenous. They'll buy it. They'll file I'm but team,
0: I'm the teamiest of Team Roger, though. You really are, uh, but it's and this is my jam.
1: This is some corny shit. Yeah, this yes. is some corny, corny, corny shit. Uh, before we go on to the, I don't. We'll debate about having the third item or not. But let me interject with the second most onerous person in all of rock or metal music, David Mustaine. David Scott Mustaine cannot help himself. No, he cannot. He cannot stop talking mess. See what I did there? Not the other word. Cannot stop talking mess on people. So David gave a wide-ranging interview to Guitar World. So many things he could talk about, including his incredible prowess, the pretty great, the sick, the dying, and the dead album that came out late last year. What does he talk about? Metallica. Metallica. Now, he was asked, so the questions are pointed at him, and he's going to just answer when he's asked, right? And he says, you know, Metallica. I don't know why. You know, so I think the question was asked him like, why hasn't Metallica taken Megadeth out on tour? They did actually thirty years ago, and it was the infamous tour. They did like a mini run of tour dates with Metallica, Black Album, Metallica, Rust in Peace, Megadeth. I forgot who the third band was. Might have been Suicidal. Could have been somebody else. And that's the infamous tour where they played in Dublin, and Dave shot his mouth off about the troubles, and they fired that guns. That was
0: at with him. Metallica.
1: So if they never did a thing with him ever again after that, you could understand why. Completely understand. And so, but David shoots his mouth off. Metallica's scared to take us on tour. And let's face it, Megadeth, right this second, better, you know, maybe perhaps better players than Metallica, surely. But nobody, you know, Metallica's not scared to take them out. Clearly, Metallica doesn't need to take them out. Megadeth needs Metallica. Metallica doesn't need Dave or Megadeth. And he never understands that.
0: I will say one thing about this news story, and I will move on, because I don't need to comment about Dave's baby sick. Um, I have seen Metallica three times. I've seen Megadeth a minimum of three times. I've lost count. And I will tell you, uh, a couple of those shows were not really enjoyable. Megadeth does not put on a spectacular show. Sorry. I... Um, I would Live, say that, they're just not yeah, terribly entertaining.
1: I, I would say this. Dave, it depends on who's in the band. I think uh, dif-
0: with Marty, it life. was super boring.
1: Yeah, he just stands there, and I'm very stoked. I will say on a positive note, Marty is going to rejoin Megadeth, not for the whole show, but he's going to be a special guest at their upcoming show at Budokan. <laughs> like all the things Ooh. that Dave, all the things that Dave could have talked about positively, how great it is to play with Kiko, how great Dirk and James are alive, <laughs> all these things he could have did. And he talked about Metallica. It's just super he- hateful and lame. And uh, as somebody on Reddit, when I shared the story, pointed out, uh, Megadeth had to open for Five Finger Death Punch in America. Five Finger Death Punch opens for Metallica all over the world. Rest in my case. America. Yeah, and in America, but all over. Right. Um, cool. I, rest, I rest my case. Um
0: oh, I we- could have had free tickets to see Megadeth. At in, in an arena show because there weren't enough tickets yeah. sold. I, I have seen Megadeth like 25 plus times. I've seen
1: Metallica the almost the most now, probably like 36, 37 times. Eh, a lot, a lot, yeah. It's and there are times when Metallica has had poor shows, and oh, then yeah. other times and other times they blew me away. Luckily, most of the last bunch of shows I have seen from Metallica have been exceptional, and the last couple I saw from Megadeth were solid to great. Um and again, they play great, but just yeah, it just is what it is. I, I love Megadeth. I love Dave. I wish he would. I understand how hard it is to get over things. He needs to work on himself still. Um, do we want? Do we want to go with the third story? I'll kick yeah, it. Yeah, let's please.
0: just let's just go through it pretty briefly. I don't want to spend a lot a lot of time on it. Record Store Day is coming up on uh, April twenty third, so we're a couple of months out. I saw the list today. There's a couple of really cool stuff things coming that i'm interested in uh one is the first my number one is eric Carr rockology this is the first time that i have actually gonna actually try to go get it i'm gonna go to multiple stores like seriously try to get it there are four thousand copies i have already seen kiss record collectors talking about how they're never going to open it so go fudge yourselves people that do that uh there's also going to be a sword another sword record i forget the title the cover is yellow and blue There is a Age of of Winners, probably. Yes. Uh, There's a Dio Live record from 1983, the very first Dio Tour two disc set. There is a Yes three disc live set. There is a Black Keys two disc live set. There's a lot of really cool stuff. And I'm also going to try to pick up Tori Amos uh, Little Earthquakes B Sides and Rarities for my wife. She's a big fan of Tori. Uh, turns out we are not going to go see Tori. I am not complaining. She'd rather see Kansas, and I am fine with that, or what passes for Kansas. But uh, this looks like actually for me the best record store day we've ever seen. I've ever seen.
1: I'd be interested to see that track listing for Tori. Um, I have not really seen the full list yet, but I will say that I did see uh, Enslaved is doing a record store day 30th anniversary uh, release of their. Oh, yes. second album and I actually
0: uh, i forgot one undeath I, undeath is doing a live album it's only seven tracks but it's a live album recorded at pop salute saloon and music which is a place i have been to hundreds and hundreds of times i've seen ace fraley testament exodus king diamond black dahlia murder i mean the list goes on all the bands i've seen there um so I'm actually kind of excited to get that one, and I don't even know one death. I just kind of want to get it just because it's that pops and they're death metal. So I'm check kidding. them out. You will not be sorry.
1: And I will say they did have my favorite album title of last year. It's time to rise ellipsis from the grave, which I love anything with an ellipsis because I use
0: them all the I time. I use them way too much, and I get made fun of by my child all the time. It's like, why do you have dot dot dot, Dad? Because you're supposed to pause thoughtfully while you read it. I
1: will say this as an editor of other people's writing. I don't like when people capitalize to try to put an emphasis on a word that doesn't need it. Mm. You should be able to just straight up write the way it is. But I will say that extra Oxford commas and ellipses all day long. Okay. Anything else on the news? We not, not really. We can do a deeper dive on Record Store Day as it gets closer. Or after. Yeah, I don't need to, but... <laughs> Uh, yeah, so let's uh, talk really briefly about our guest that's coming in. This is Dennis Lars-Torrent of the New York City progressive instrumental metal band, The Astral Cadence. You can look them up on Bandcamp. I will link it in the description on YouTube. Nick will link it hopefully on Spotify. We should do a better job of when we have a guest linking their stuff because it's just nice to pay it forward that way, just in case someone discovers them through this. Um asshole cadence is a cool band i met dennis we have a mutual friend i saw them live they're very much like a heavier version like dream theater with no vocals or keyboards like except better animals as leaders uh, less less gent but more metal if that makes sense heavier and they are very pro like very prolific and and uh interesting musically i believe they have new music coming out this year we can ask dennis that question dennis is also an expert level beer enthusiast he is a beer expert uh one of my favorite things is to see him check in places and drink fancy craft beers so beer questions tonight nicholas if you want to nerd out and i will be a third wheel on that conversation as not a non-expert but um dennis is a very cool guy he's very interesting and smart and I think our listeners will enjoy this casual chat. We'll do a little interview with him about his band, but generally open it up to just about anything. I will pause this this recording, let Dennis in, and we'll continue from there. As I knock my glass over. And we're back with our guest from the Astral Cadence, Dennis Lars Torrent. How are you doing, brother?
2: Not too bad. How are you guys doing tonight? Or evening, I Very should say, good. since you guys are three hours behind. <laughs> nice. I am. Uh, I am one hour behind. Oh, you're an hour behind. Wow. So we are. Uh, we're Central East and West Coast. <laughs> well, yeah, I am. Uh, I'm
0: sitting. I'm sitting in the three one four home and Nelly. You know, which we talk a lot about on this show, which we probably shouldn't.
1: I mean, there's got to be some other bands from St. Louis worth talking about that are not Nelly. We also talk a lot about The Urge. Cause I love that band from the '90s. Oh, and, uh, oh
2: my goodness, you just hit a, you just triggered a nerve. I just watched uh, Pulp Fiction the other day, and of course, "Girl, You'll Be a Woman Soon" was on that soundtrack. So no, that's <laughs> Urge Overkill. Yeah, that's oh, Urge Overkill. My fault, my fault. But
1: but they're a cool band, also. No disrespect, and I love that band. That
2: but uh, yeah, '90s. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: The Urge was a uh, third wave ska band from St. Louis that almost made it out not quite. I mean, mm-hmm. they all, they did a whole tour opening for Corn and Limp Biscuit. I'd say they made it somewhere. Like, yeah, but that, that was wow. their last tour. They got dropped after that. Oh, that's, that was, that was nice. the last gasp. Um, the, the singer owns a hot dog stand now and he makes amazing, uh, flippin' hot dogs, uh, Steve's hot dogs. But, um, I'm sorry, we can't cuss anymore, so I gotta. Yeah, YouTube is gonna start being in a, and, a, YouTube's gonna start being a, literally the tattoo.
1: The tagline of the show is beer, metal, and swearing. And actually, we probably should have had vinyl in there all along anyway, because we talk about vinyl as much as any more than anything. But, um, beer, metal, and swearing. And now, like, YouTube is about to crack down on all swearing. Used to just be don't swear in the beginning of the video. And I have a potty mouth, everybody knows. But, um, you know, I know Dennis for a few years. Dennis, besides being an awesome dude and a good friend, he is a hell of a musician in a killer band. And uh, you know, I wanted to enlighten our audience, not just on your prowess as a beer expert, which I did talk about, but also. Can we hit the
2: beer first before we do
0: the music?
1: Yeah, let's do the. Well, yeah, absolutely. What are you?
2: What are you drinking? I bought last night. I went to the gas station by me, and Uptown Manhattan has had Dykeman beer for a while, and I finally happened to come across the four pack which has now become a two pack after last <laughs> night. And uh yeah, that's been my it's been my go-to. There's a lot of beautiful breweries in in the five boroughs here in New York, which obviously Keith grew up here as well and I'm sure out by you as well Nick that there are 90 amazing breweries ah oh, that's a lot that's a lot yeah. but that is a beautiful circumference to cover if you have 90 breweries man there's no drought i
0: stopped trying thing. to ke- i stopped trying to keep up with them for a long time i was a beer blogger in st louis and it was trying to keep up well who's doing this who's doing that and then all of a sudden you have to do lottos to buy tickets to get this beer and i'm like eh. That really smacks. Oh, that's so a lot strange! Of, it's like that smacks of a lot of effort. I'm just going to go to the store.
2: But yeah, we that that's what just, I do. Like
0: we're in the process of finally getting Yingling now.
2: Nice. You can't buy it in the store Yingling is a yet. good beer.
0: That is like my wife's favorite beer. The only beer she'll say she likes. She drank it in college. She went to college in Philly yes. at one of the Seven Sisters schools, and I won't say more than that. Mm-hmm but uh i'm actually going to have probably a couple of those tonight after this is
2: over watching the blues game yingling but yeah I, I do have i do have fond memories of yingling uh oh my goodness doing i was on tour with one band uh prior to the current band that i'm with unfortunately we had a <laughs> a hell of a great time and i don't remember the gig but i heard that the gig went well but I don't remember one inch of it. <laughs> oh my! I uh, my my so that's story, how good of a time.
0: My Yingling story is this: I was visiting my best friend in Buffalo, New York, and there's a great brewery in Western New York called Ellicottville Brewing. If you ever get up there, it's in a yep. ski town. And uh, yep. so I went to the Rochester Americans. I love hockey. I love minor league hockey. I love obscure stuff. It's just I, that's what I like. And I had front row seats because they made me a deal at the at the thing. So I'm drinking my Brooklyn Lager, which I had never had. I'm like, this, you know, my pint of that is pretty good. Some jackasses sit next to me. I'm sorry, Jack. As is, uh, I <laughs> sit next to me. And what do they do? They put their beer directly on the glass. We're on the oh. glass in the corner on the goal line. What happens in the corner on the goal line in a hockey game? All it's the hit right out. So it yep. took about five minutes of game time before the beer went uh, head over tea kettle into my lap.
2: <laughs> and I'm oh, like that's terrible. awesome.
0: I'm now covered in your beer, and I have a 45 mile drive after this. So spectacular. Thank you.
2: Yes. Drenching, soaking. Yeah. Yeah, Public drenching, soaking and it ends. Hold in hold it in someone else's flavor. <laughs> right.
0: Hold it or don't buy it.
2: Yeah. Pretty much that beer is not going to drink itself, bro. It is not actually. And it's, uh, I, my pants will drink it. However, I learned that night. <laughs> I got a, I got a uh, strange beer story. So I went to buy a beer. I went to see Clutch one New Year's Eve uh, with a mutual friend of ours that uh, Keith knows. And I'm walking with two beers, and I'm like, "Excuse me, excuse me." And as I go, "Excuse me," like this, this guy literally puts his mouth on my beer, pours it towards him. And I just literally just go right over him. And I'm like, enjoy. And I just walked on and I gave my best friend her beer. And I was like, man, ah, I I wanted to scream.
0: Yeah. I, I had that feeling today. And here's how metal and rough I am. As I drove home, I looked over at the charging lot that I see sometimes. And I'm like, wow, those aren't electric cars in those parking spots. And I couldn't stop thinking about it. And I thought about all the mean things I was going to do if I needed that spot and would not have the guts to do. I never thought we'd be having
1: that uh, conversation.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you left it open. When you leave it open, I go places. Hey, nothing wrong with that. Uh, Let's talk about something that's not stupid. Uh, Dennis, (laughs) how would you for our, uh, our for our audience who's never heard um, astral cadence sorry my brain is broken so it's I'm, all good. I'm everywhere it's all good and ha- for people who haven't heard astral cadence how would you describe what you do i'm curious to see how
2: close you describe it to what kefi did it's it's experimental obviously aside instrumental it's experimental it, it's heavy it's groovy It has other qualities of other genres of music. It can have a rock vibe. It can have a metal vibe. It can go anywhere between uh, Animals as Leaders to Pliny to all sorts of other, like not your casual goats to music catalogs or types of music. But we have other things like, almost Chimps Banner-ish, and we fit such a weird niche of of bands. We could play a death metal show, and we're aces. We could play a, a indie show, and be the heaviest band on it, and still be liked. We played a rock show a couple of years back, and we were like, we're sore thumbs in this. And we still we got a great response we actually did a slam show one night and this was at gold sounds and a bunch of bands that are now like up and coming all loved us and we've remained in contact and 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 to me i was i was floored because again i don't expect to fit but we for whatever reason, we end up fitting all these different styles of music. So again, to clarify, we have a lot of different uh, atmospheres that we cover musically and, you know, musically. It's just, it it could fit a lot of different areas, a lot of areas that people call it gray. If I could jump in, it sounds
0: a little bit like you're slightly surprised by the, the Swiss army knife appeal. Of Astral Cadence, Yes. Yeah, how I am because how, I mean, how do you use that to your advantage? Obviously, besides
2: playing several different kinds of shows? Uh to my advantage, well, to our advantage, uh, when I approach a promoter, I let them know the bands we've played with so they don't feel like, hey, uh, I don't know if you're gonna fit. They once they see and they go, Oh, I booked these bands, or this venue loves booking these bands. Why not? It, it's, it's just, it, it makes it a lot easier for promoters. Uh, and also leaving New York, which which really helps out a lot. When we played outside of New York a lot often, South and West and North and, and Northeast, it really helped out a lot because a lot of the bands that we played with were already in these areas. So it really helped us bring our staple of of music to all these different areas so it was really helpful
0: very cool what do you have coming up for this year what do you got planned
2: uh there's one show on the table for april but prior to that we are and i could actually say this and 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 feel very proud of it we're going to be going to nam for the first time all together cohesively and just Network, real quick,
0: tell our tell our audience what Nam is, because not not everybody is going to know what that is. Very cool. NAM I know what that is. But.
2: Nam is basically your favorite uh, luthiers of your instruments or your favorite electronic maker for your music desires, including production. For those of the for those of us that are in production, who do lighting, video, audio, and staging and rigging. That's also a part of NAMM, so it brings the entire entertainment industry into one culminating weekend, which is amazing. And NAMM, if you are a guitar player and you are a I don't know, you're a huge Heisel or Dingwall fan, for for bass players, hey, go there, you know, and 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 you might meet your favorite musicians like. Some guys love Tolson Abassi and they love, you know, Abassi guitars. You want to meet Tosin and you want to play his guitar? Why not? It's a, it's a no-brainer. This is the episode
0: of this show where we have mentioned animals as leaders in Tosin Abassi more than any other show.
1: <laughs> For sure. <laughs> and he deserves he deserves all the mentions. I have never been to NAM. I wish it wasn't in Anaheim of all places next to Disney World, but Uh, I know people who've gone, we've covered it as a website for Ghost Cult Mag. And, uh, you know, I know Omar got to like be within like five feet of Stevie Wonder, which was like a big thrill for him who grew up listening to Stevie (laughs) um, and other people. And I know many people who just go to hang out. I think it's more of a like similar to Comic-Con when it was like a little thing. It was a little more intimate. I hard to say that a thing at a giant convention center could feel intimate. But my impression, having not been is that now that it's open to fans as much as it is to industry it's a, the the shine is off the rose a little bit that yeah. being said i'm sure still if you are passionate about the music business gear and and like the highest caliber of musicianship you want to go and so they still do well i know uh, i did a really infamous interview with uh, uh misha mansor of periphery who has a gear company, of course, is a pedal company yeah. and software company. And the year that Nam didn't happen because of the pandemic, I was like, oh man, I can't, uh, you know, I'm so sad for all the dealers who are going to lose a fortune. And he dropped this bomb to me. And this like irritated a lot of people, not at me, but uh, he was like, oh yeah, if you need Nam to make your sales for the year, you don't have a very good company because you're depending on something that you don't have control of. He's like, I know that if we just stop going to NAMM and he's like, we talked about never going to another NAMM. We sell our gear, our gear sells. I know we have a certain fan base that is waiting for the next thing we're going to put out and they will continue to buy our stuff. And so if I don't ever do another convention, he's like, actually, I hate them.
0: (laughs) He hates them.
1: He loves meeting the fans. He doesn't like doing the rigmarole. That's one
0: thing I've always wanted to do. I've always wanted one of my companies to send me to one of these trade shows. And they never do because I know that I would be
2: awful at it. But I'm not going to tell them that. I want I, I want the free stakes. I just want the free stakes. Trade, trade shows. I I honest. I I honestly say this trade shows are a must for everybody to experience at least once or twice, and then get that under their belt so they could get a better interpretation of it, and then know for sure if it's for them or not. At first, I was apprehensive. I'm like, man. I'm traveling from New York all the way to another state I'm kind of familiar with because I've been in and out of California numerous times through tours and through work and through other reasons. Uh But at the end of the day, it was like, you know what? Yeah, I'm glad I made it out here because you never know and also with the work with the line of work i do i put together trade shows here in the city so i've done all types of trade shows like not only comic-con not only the uh the big happy hour but i've done numerous trade shows even for when it's car week or boat week or toy week you know all those kind of you you start to see it in hindsight, it's all the same plateau, but they all cater to different crowds. There there's you know, no, the ones with
0: money. There there's nothing we're gonna do as human beings that doesn't involve networking. Of course. And that's what a trade show is, but as I, I could talk about this kind of thing for a while, but let's move on from that a little Be- bit.
1: Before we do, yes. let me let me just jump in and say, like, we glossed over the fact, if I'm not mistaken, Dennis is an, has several endorsements as a bassist. And I think everybody in your band has some shape or form of endorsement
2: from a gear company. Is that not true? So I per se, I managed to score something with Felix Martin, the guitar player. I, can oh, I was going to ask you about Felix Martin. Yeah, so right here, which is right next to my little practice area, is oh, you my, got one of
0: his guitars.
2: It's what actually the a bass, and and this was one that he made, and I picked it up, and he was like, "Hey, man, time to start learning." And oh my god, okay, just, I've got about a million questions.
0: Yeah, let, go let him it, answer the one first that I asked. I'm him. sorry, I'm sorry. He he got my. <laughs> so wow
2: best face ever nick ever made so in a nutshell i the astral cadence did a few weekends with felix uh doing some shows and we exchanged numbers and it was more like this is pre-pandemic remind you Mm -hmm. and we were always just you know saying hey how you doing hey happy holidays uh hey how you been hey how's life in cali hey how's life in new york and short version of that, the pandemic hit. We're all in lockdown. He texted me out of left field. He's like, hey, man, I started my own company. Would it interest you? And all I said was, yeah, just let me know. That was it. Oh, a few weeks later, he texted me. He goes, are you interested to come to California by any chance? I'm like, yeah, I would love to go to Nan, but I never have a way to get in. All I said, I'm not like, who, who's? Whose rear end do I have to kiss? Nothing like that. It's not mine, by the way. He just says, yeah, I have a booth. Why don't you come and hang? That was it. Come over, hang. And it became this relationship that turned into more and it blossomed and it was phenomenal. And lo and behold, he goes, here's your purchase. Go and learn. And if you have any questions, just text me. That's okay. How was it for people
0: who don't know him? Felix Martin is an interesting character. He is, uh, if memory serves, Peruvian. Went to Berkeley, met basically his bandmates in college. He is ambidextrous. Mm-hmm. Plays uh, upwards of sixteen string guitars. He has sometimes it's eight and eight, sometimes it's seven and nine, whatever. But he he, he double taps on both of them, and then as as Dennis said, he started his own company selling those guitars instead of having other companies make them. Do you play it like he does? Do you tap the top bass? Yes. Because the way yes. they're built, I, you, can't, you can't put your hand around each neck. Actually, you
2: could, but you got to have a real good stretch and some really long fingers. You're going to have Jimmy about, Hendrix like fingers. You, you better be able to a palm a basketball. That's how big your hand has to be. Yeah, but... Yeah. Not, not necessarily. I've actually seen a few of the players that have gotten their hands on the instrument and have played open tunings where the top section is not tuned to the bottom and the bottom is not tuned right. to the top and it's all open across and they've played it. Felix actually pioneered this type of instrument. It's not even a... I wouldn't even classify it. It is a guitar still because you still have those uh that timbre and that sonicness, But at the same time, I feel like everything he did was just a whole other, yeah, it's, level it's a different deal. higher. Yeah. And honestly, I I adored what he did. I've always been on a progressive side. I've always been into just musicians who who brought more to the table than the table already had to offer. And it's just like, wow. To see that and to see him make basses and have guitar players kind of take his motif, his style, his character and up that even further. You got guys in the FM guitar family covering Metallica on these instruments. You got guys covering, smashing pumpkins for crying out loud. It's just like if these people could cover and you can create. That's what I got to say. And we all have the ability to. And I feel like what he did was open up another floodgate for creativity. And I'm proud to be a part of that. But to go on to what Keith was saying, uh, I know Bill has been working on some stuff. Uh, nothing in written in stone yet. So has Sean. So this is why the trip to Nam this year for the three of us will be a very important time and we'll see we'll see from there any uh, any thoughts of get I know it's like impossible because the
1: whole town is flooded with tributes and all-star jams and shows but any thoughts of booking any gigs while the three of you just happen to be on a different coast or that's out of the question
2: I would love, honestly, me personally, yes, 110%. I've played California a couple of times already in my lifetime. And I would love for us to just be able to have, even if it's one night, I don't know, we play the doll hut for crying out loud. I'm not expecting the whiskey a go-go. I'm expecting to do something cool, something casual, It could be a dive bar. It could be a corner bar. It could even be where the bums sleep on the corner of some gas station. I'm cool with that. You know, if we could pull that off, great. It's We've been talking about it left and right, and it's been brought up numerous times. The only thing is we would have to travel with our gear and go out there. I've actually uh, told them we should really consider this. So, fingers crossed, we... Managed to do something you know whether it's for nam in nam or whether it's a little bar one night get a few friends in kudos you know one more uh one more check on the uh list of places we've played
1: nice and then uh what's the uh not that i expect you to divulge anything but i know it's been a few years since the last single any uh any plans i know you guys are always working on stuff but any plans for a new release
2: this year that you can share or not so, yet so yes so yes we've been recording we have been uh doing our own type of demos and hopefully they could turn into something really really amazing we have 3 songs in the works Aside the one single that we put out last year, but we have three additional songs and we're hoping that by the time we leave to Nan, which is in two months, two months, yeah, two months, that we have at least out of those three, one of those could be a single and or a video with a playthrough and whatever else. Killer. Glad to hear it. I'm
1: looking forward to more new music. It's been a minute. I'm trying to think about the last time I saw you guys in person, which I'm going to say I moved out of New York in the end of 2020. So it had to be 2019 or 2018. And I I don't remember if you were there as a fan or you played. Did you guys play that show that was like the disastrous Brooklyn Bazaar show where the soundboard shit the bed? That was you guys opened, right? And um, was that Nita Strauss and... uh, Angel Vivaldi. Angel Vivaldi,
2: yes. That so, show was a disaster.
1: <laughs> the short- you guys were the, hella. Pro-
2: the, the y'all were hella professional though, but it was a disaster. The the short version was, and I'm not gonna name drop anyone's name. All I gotta say is, as a person who does audio engineering and sound live audio, uh, the important thing is to turn off all the power amps before you unplug your board. And unfortunately, the person who did that, which I won't name, uh just was careless. And it, it made us as the opener uh look like a bunch of chumps standing around. They were like, get up there, you know, start playing, and there's like no PA. So how are you gonna get the drums? How are you gonna get the guitars? How are you gonna get the bass? On top of, I was cabless that night. So he ain't gonna hear bass through a PA, so I was kind of doing the 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 method with in ears, where I heard myself, but how are you gonna hear me as an audience member? So that hiccup was a very uh, it's kind of a punch to the nuts, and we were very patient. They were awesome. Unfortunately, the Brooklyn Bazaar never continued on but the other night i was around there and i was going to brower and lean obviously for uh an adult beverage that night and you know it sucked you know i was like damn this place was so awesome
1: i love that venue
2: i love that venue i saw one of the last
1: shows there ever which was prong played on a Sunday night and yeah. they had been on a, they had been on a tour with helmet, which sounds like an incredible tour prong and helmet. That's and an then incredible tour off the bat <laughs> helmet ended up playing at the knockdown center, which is in Queens in Ridgewood. And the promoter didn't want to pay for both helmet and prong. So prong had to play the same night as helmet a couple of miles away in Greenpoint, oh. to like nobody mm-hmm. except like me <laughs> and Omar and wow. nobody else. Omar from Ghost Coal, and so our mutual pal. And uh, yeah, I miss that venue, though, even though that night was terrible and what they did to you guys was unforgivable. And I do love, you were very professional. Nita was very professional. Angel was outwardly professional, but inwardly he was not having it. He was so mad. Yes. He almost quit the gig. He said, I've never canceled a gig. day like, because of... You know, just like I always power through and we play our show and whatever. And apparently, because he's a perfectionist and I respect this, he had his own board with him also as a backup to anything potentially happening. So that's what they did. They ended up taking out the house board, which was fucked. Sorry, YouTube. And then, yes. And then they put their own board in to do the show.
2: It was finger fudged. It was. Yes. Actually, I do love. I do love the the fact that the Astral Cadence has had the privilege to play numerous shows with Angel. And I am very grateful that me personally, that we've developed a a mutual friendship with him. Um, Not to say like, Hey, you know, I'm going to call him right now. And be like, Hey, yo, let's go out for dinner. Nothing like that. It's just every time we've played, he's been, very generous, very kind, very considerate. Even at that show, he was like, guys, thank you so much. And he was very humble. And that's another thing. Like in this scene, there's a lot of egos. But when you see somebody who's humble, it kind of throws you into a, into a tailspin because very few individuals in the, the the instrumental scene are super humble like him. I could honestly vouch, you know, Angel being one of them, Felix Martin being another, uh, Nita being another, and the list just goes on. We've been very fortunate to have had humble musicians uh, allow us to play with them. And I could always, and I could even speak for the guys, say thank you to those people and be like, you know, we owe you a huge you know, amount of gratitude for allowing us to be on your show and letting us play to your audience because that really helps. It helps out a whole lot. And I wish there was more of that camaraderie in the scene, but that's a little bit off topic. But no, it's it's completely people, I, I, I'm just gonna
0: I'm sorry. I got the idea it's all good. It's all good. The the leg up idea is something that everybody in every scene everywhere needs to come up with. If I love your band, I'm still gonna buy your record if I like this band too. If I like your podcast, your YouTube channel, I'm still gonna watch you just because I like this one too. You know, we, we, we all, yeah, we everybody, don't close the door behind you. Give everybody a fist Never. bump and a leg up.
2: That's yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, my so- soap. That's over. that's the way it should be. No, it's it should be that way because we all can achieve something together, as opposed to so divided and. I just feel it would be much, much better. That's just Completely my personal agree. two cents in that. Completely agree.
1: I'm gonna, I'm gonna put you on the spot for a second. So we 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 were like sure. we were trying to figure out like what you know if any we didn't need a direction, but what direction to go in on this show and like you know rather than do one of our try to do a tentpole thing about because progressive music is so vast, right? It could be anything. It could be almost every every subgenre of rock and metal has a progressive sub sub subgenre. But I want to I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit, friend, and uh, don't hold it against me. But I'm going to bring up a band and I want to get your opinion of this band. I don't think Nick has one. I have a definite one. Let's talk about Polyphia (laughs) for a second. Right. Because Polyphia is like the girl with the curl right now. Polyphia has become mm-hmm. like the progressive band for people who don't know what progressive music is kind of like animals as leaders was 10 years ago, but I want to like, what, like, yeah, you just, you know, what, what is your take on them as a band? What, how do you feel about their last
2: record? Uh, you, uh, you know, you will die. Um, young, young, talented, extremely pushing the envelope. I feel that they took, everything that has been up and coming and turned it into their flavor. And I feel that's how it should be. Bands that take things that have been coming up within the past 10 to 15 years, even twenties, pushing it. But 20 years, if you take a 20-year window and whatever that genre of music is, and you take it into your own hands and you spin it in your version, and you do it in such a tasteful manner, that's how I feel what Polyphia is. Even Chan, that's another one. Like they took something that was 20 years in the making and spun it and made it their own. And I think that's what bands need to start doing, spinning it and making it their own rather than, oh, hey, I'm just going to do what everyone's doing. Anybody could do that. But if you take something and you make it your own, as in your band already has a sound, And you're developing that and you're going in this uh, scale of whatever the music you're following is. I think that's just going to get you further and further up the ladder. It's just adding to the beauty of what is already existing and taking that further forward.
0: I I don't have an opinion on on the the artist that's being discussed, as Keefe pointed out, but I, I love exactly what you said is, filter everything that's come before you through your personal self. And I mean, think about how many artists we have read about, we have heard about where they said when we first started, no one would book us. No one would play us anywhere because we didn't sound like anything else. And then the next thing you know, they're headlining Lollapalooza. Right. Um,
1: I I think Polythe is great. Obviously their musicianship is ridiculous. And the fact that they became like the mainstream... Like a, a similar to how like, ma- like hipster people were into black metal suddenly like three, four five years ago. uh, You know. don't talk <laughs> about death heaven. I'm not talking. <laughs> I love, I love death heaven. They're here in my backyard in the Bay, but. um,
2: I was about to say Torch the Band. They're, they're kind I'm, of up there. They, in the, yeah. To, in they're, break, area.
1: they're breaking up. They broke up. So I'm sad. I saw their last ever. Oh, I saw their last so ever sad. show. I love that yeah. band. Yeah, they just live in different parts of the country. It's one of the, like, the pandemic is what broke them up, basically. And um, time to do other things. I think the the main guy of the band, Steve Brooks, decided he wanted to do something else and not do the band anymore. So I think those other guys are going to try to find a way to go forward as a different band. And it's a shame because they were... Again, a critic's darling, and I think the funny thing, uh, Polyphia, absolutely backs up. They have incredible talent. They're getting massively popular, but I think it's just ironic or unironic—I'm not sure which one—that like it's not easily digestible music for the average person. Right? There's no, there's not really you. There's not like an inherent pop catchiness to them, even though their music has a lyrical quality. So it's just I find it interesting. I'm not a hater at all, but I don't. I I hear people talk about them and I'm like what are you hearing because I, I it's not that I don't hear it but when I hear like a normie I guess I'm being gatekeepery but when I hear like a not rock or metal person talk about that band it's like okay here's a band I'm glad you discovered them and maybe it'll lead you to discover other bands but also it's like you know not like this you're is- not allowed not that you're not allowed to discover a new band and like them way outside of your box but it's just
2: weird to me that's all i feel like if you're young and you just discovered them that is like kind of when i was in junior high and i discovered typo not the type of band that people were like yeah i'm gonna go, I'm gonna go buy that album and then listen to it you know like i'm just making fun of people that, that that are super enthusiasts, and you just discover this Band and it's just like what am I listening to I think That's what it is like for younger Kids discovering Polyphia How you and I probably discovered When we were in elementary and junior high School when we discovered type O I never did figure out what type I was doing I, I never could figure it out You know I I just feel like there were those staple bands that growing. I wouldn't necessarily use the word staple, but for me, it's a staple because at the time it it caught my ear, it caught my attention. I feel like that's what Polyphia is to the young crowd. Older people, on the other hand, uh like us, for example, either love it or hate it, or are you know, you I think typo is tolerated.
0: I think typo is a great analogy because i remember typo negatives bloody kisses you know black number one blowing up and then all of a sudden my you know want to be popular friends because i mean i wasn't popular i didn't have any popular friends but they wanted to be popular i remember them having bloody kisses and seeing that going wow this is i've been watching these guys on headbangers ball for two years and now this is blowing up to normies and it's just like wow how I mean, if you think about yeah. it, how in the world did that band even break through? That doesn't make any sense.
1: There was a long well, period of time where they had the biggest selling album ever on that label. And I think that's part of it. And I was about to, I'll let Dennis continue. I was going to say, as the two East Coast and specifically New York City guys, knowing that like Roadrunner was our local metal label as much as any other label. And there were others in the city, but like Roadrunner was how the label. media
2: was to Europe.
1: Yeah, or nuclear blast to yeah, to or earache to England. Like it's the same thing. we had a scene around these bands. And except for Sepultura, who was obviously from Brazil and moved to Arizona, all these bands were from the tri-state area almost exceedingly. And so we just became you know, or except for maybe Fear Factory and Slipknot later. But like, you know, it's you know, there's a couple of bands that are not from the East Coast, and then the rest of them are. And so I just think there was this fandom and this worship around those bands uh that absolutely helped them all get huge like it definitely helped having new york city brook typos from brooklyn biohazards from brooklyn life agonies from brooklyn uh even uh bands on a lower rung 40 below summer being from new jersey like that's a band people don't talk about yeah. but they were really good for a stretch there had i a big love
2: still. i honestly discovered so you, you just you just struck a nerve with 40 Below Summer. I think it was around 2000, 2002, 2001. I saw at The World, I went to go see Mudvayne. And this was for the end of all things. It was their second album. And I saw a, an opener that was, I don't even know where they were from. They were called Depth Swap. And I was blown by this band. And I'm like, what a great like co-headliner for for, uh, for Mudvayne, but the opener was 40 Below Summer. And I was caught off guard with that band. And I felt like, wow. Unfortunately, I don't know whatever. I I know that they've been trying to put out material. I know they did a reunion show a couple of years back. But I feel like I don't know what happened to them. But if I hear of something, that's a band I would definitely go back out and see again. Like Because they were such a great band at the time. You you can still see dog eat dog. Those guys are back. <laughs> oh, dog eat dog. Ha! <laughs> That's like uh, old fashioned disco. They're also they they're have two. Around. They're still
1: around. Yeah, they're still around. They had a record out last year. Um, but yeah, man, just uh, fun fun stories. Maybe maybe there's a future episode, Nick, where we do scenes. We do like all the
0: bands from one scene geographically. Yeah, definitely something to definitely something to. Uh, talk about there i i'm sorry i've lost my perspicacity i don't have my words today (laughs) big word that's a big word though that you use it's from the simpsons i mean it's fine what is it perspicacity Perspicacity. which is uh if i understand it which i may not just for the record uh it means knowing how to use words
2: wow (laughs) you just educated me tonight fair enough let me say
0: look it up because i don't know if i'm right
2: (laughs) yeah I was. I, I've I'll used. I've had a few words
1: that I definitely misunderstood what they meant, and I just continue oh. to. I just use them until they,
0: like someone submits. Like I yeah. don't have. I have no chill. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I like. I used to say equivalent. I said equivalent for a decade, until somebody finally said, "No, it's equivalent, jackass, Jack." Jack. <laughs>
1: We, Jack, I, think, I think we can Jack say
0: Holden. ass. I'm, I can't, if we can't say ass, then it's not
1: America anymore. So I think right. we can still say no. ass. Um, Alrighty, righty, Do you have
0: any, any further questions for our guests as we start to wind this down, Nicholas? No, I am out of questions. Dennis has been awesome.
2: Thank you, guys. Thank what, you for what, having me on this show.
1: Dennis, what's your favorite beer of all time? Bar none. Gut
2: reaction. Oh my goodness, favorite beer I think would have to be the Gunhill Brewery Full Nelson which is no longer in Oh, production. I've had
0: that. That's a good one. And now they have correct. the Void of
2: Light. Double it's a, it was a they double had, IPA was it not? No, it was oh. a So what you're There was something called Full something, I forget the name of it. You are correct. It was Full with the name and I forget the, the, the remainder of it But they had a stout And it was the full Nelson stout And then they kind of Changed the name up, changed the recipe And then they created like 10 offshoots off this one stout They had a uh, Void of light Void of light peanut butter and jelly Void oh. of light uh, Chocolate A void of light coffee A void of light I want to say, like, uh, like a cacao, and then I forget the rest. And then they got very absurd, and they went up to this fourteen percent one, where it was devoid of like double bacon, and it was like a fourteen to sixteen percent uh, serving, right in a high bowl, no bigger than maybe that big, and wow. All I got to say is one of those, you just had to go home.
0: It sounds like just an uh, uh, the Goose Island Bourbon B- Bourbon County Imperial Stout. The last yes. one so- I had was 14%. And you drink one 12 ounce of that thing. And it's just like, you're everything is awesome. Everything is wonderful when you're part of that team. But let me just say, I like my beer to be beer flavored. Yes, I, get I don't it. need peanut butter and jelly. I don't want chocolate, although there is a Quebecois sour cherry beer that I will drink, but it only
2: comes out once every Love four those. years. So it's fine. Uh, I can't pronounce it. So, it, yeah. So this year, just like last year, I go to this thing at the brewery called Barrel Age Fest, oh. and it's all the breweries in the five boroughs, and some are in Jersey and upstate New York and Connecticut. And I believe there is one now that came up from Maryland or Baltimore, one of those two. And it's all barrel-aged beers that they start making around now or January, and then we come into the new year, and it's barrel-aged fast, and... You could try up to up to 60 to 70 different beer. Makers OK, of for a second, I thought
0: you were going to say they like limit you because here in St. Louis, we have those two. We we, we have, there's the live for life Fest, There's micro Fest, There's the Schlafly beer and Oyster Stout and oyster. Yeah, I, they, they price me out of it. And I, I'm so old. I don't want to drink till I fall over anymore. And no, you don't want to do that. You definitely want to taste it. I definitely used to. And but huh. I, we've never had anything that specific. I don't know how long I would last at a barrel aged festival because barrel aged stouts usually start the conversation at ten percent ABV. Yes, so that, that's so a this short one, day.
2: So this one goes on from noon till five. It's literally five hours. But the downside is you try all these beers, but they give you such a small amount, like yeah, you get an about an ounce out and a half. I, it, it's like half an ounce. Oh, the the even... cup that I have uh-huh. is like the the size of your nail, like a thimble that's the size. You get, of a, the cup. you get a thimble full. Yes, they give you a little squeeze here. Taste it. <laughs> squeeze, You're to swivel it. <laughs> they give you a little squeeze. You're supposed to, you know, flavor it around your palate and then you spit it out. No, no, I, it's like it, oh, this was me the entire time, just like. Chugging them, chugging them. them. No, this is not wine. This is beer, sir. No, but the the beauty is, is that a brewery? So all the, all the drains are are there. So it's not like you're spitting on the floor. It's a little disgusting, especially post pandemic where I've I've kind of become a germaphobe. We all have, we all have. (laughs) It goes to show my age, but (laughs) this is something I highly recommend to all my friends and you guys and everybody uh, who's going to be watching this. You know, Gun Hill Brewery is always hosting this year after year for 70 bucks, five hours. Can't go wrong. And you get to buy. So like if you try something, I try your barrel aged, I don't know, sour or stout Mm -hmm. or this random IP that you aged in like a uh, triple oak cherries. You know, it's it's going to be phenomenal. And I could actually buy it from you or from Keith. And I'm aces. And I'll take that home as sideways as I'm walking out of there and get home and put it in the fridge and then have it whenever I want. Very They'll cool. sell you a champagne sized bottle. Of oh, everybody's stuff. Oh, very cool. That's that's amazing for like, I don't know. The bottles roughly are anywhere between $12 and $25, which is uh, not bad. It's, it's, kind. It's, it's finish your thought. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all good. Yeah. But that, that in a nutshell is worthy of doing. And if you guys ever find yourself up here around January in the first three weeks, uh, I would literally drag you guys with me. <laughs> I, so would, I would happily go. Yeah.
1: If we are ever in New York together, you wouldn't have to drag me. So Gun Hill Brewery, just really quick as we wind this down to the end. Gun Hill Brewery is in my mm-hmm. old stomping grounds, literally almost my old neighborhood, just about 15 blocks from where I grew up or less. Uh, I also yes. spent a ton of time in that neighborhood historically. So yeah, great. I'm super stoked that it opened. I had been there twice. It was really fun. Uh also the Royal Coach Diner is right there many good and bad memories of that place right
2: across the street
1: still open somehow i'm sure they'll never close um yeah man uh Dennis been a it's blast a having you it is a staple but it's also Thank like you guys. not a, not the best idea uh not the best place to go but <laughs> thanks for being here
0: sounds we like have... the drawing board at Gravo- gravoi Gravoy and Chippewa they got the worst location in the world next man. door to the sex shop across the street from the uh, place where <laughs> the cops show up uh every day all right, then. Right. Uh, I, I think it is my turn to take us
1: home on the outro. So I shall. And uh, once again, Dennis, thanks for being a great guest. I thought you would be, and you proved me correct. Thank
0: you. It is. Thank it was a so great, much. great honor, great fun chatting, just seeing where it goes. And uh, I had yeah. a blast.
2: Thank you very much for joining us. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so, so much, guys. Kindly, I appreciate it. This is phenomenal between beer, and metal, and music in general, I think this is... Sadly, no swearing. They took that away from us. But Well, we
1: still... Nah,
2: whatever. <laughs> we still managed
1: to swear. <laughs> this has been the Glacially Musical Podcast. I'm your host, Keefe, the co-host, Keefe. The host is actually Nick. I'm just the co-host. Our guest has been Dennis from the Astral Cadence. We will link all of his jazz in the description so you can check out his band and support him on his potential new music coming up very soon. As we say every week here at the glacial Musical Podcast. It does not play in
2: Peoria, but maybe someday the astral cadence will.